This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. Here we are, back in the saddle with another edition of Neville Rides the Boundaries, coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, and I'm Neville Wallace, broadcasting from Hara, coming to you also from Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawke's Bay, and Arrow Radio Masterton. Today we have talented chef, cook, Alison Gofton, discussing the benefits of good food. Well, my guest today is renowned celebrity, cook, chef, TV personality, food in a minute, and author Alison Gofton has joined me to help those who have difficulty navigating the supermarket shelves to purchase affordable food. Good afternoon, Alison. Good afternoon, Neville. How are you? Oh, oh, at odds and ends, but uh, just calming a wife down out there, but never mind. Hey, um, I understand that you had early links to Taranaki. Yes, I did. Well, I'm actually Australian. I was born and raised in Tasmania in Launceston, that's in the north. And when I was about 16, I was an exchange student. Could have been 15 if I think back. But I was an exchange student to Taranaki and to an area just a little out from Alston. It was called, I probably pronounce this incorrectly, Rafshiroa. We called it Rawit for short. And I, and I spent six months there. Good. You probably, well... That was in 74. I mean, that's a long time ago. We shouldn't count up the years when we get to our age, Alison. But, uh, yeah, there would be some pleasant memories there. Alison, before we start, perhaps we should look at supermarket planning and what's your advice at this point? Well, excuse me. For anybody when you're going shopping, it's the old adage is, you know, plan and you will save your money. And it's one of those skills that we have lost especially now that we can order. Uh, she says online, but sometimes that can be helpful. But the most important thing is if you're trying to either save money or if you're operating on a budget, is to plan your week out. What nights you're going to be home, what nights you're going to be busy with sport with the children, what nights you just might want to have a takeaway because, you know, that's that Friday night fish and chip or Chinese stir-fry concept. So it is really important to plan. Then you don't buy more than you need and you don't get caught by what's on special because a special is not a special unless you really need it. Now the other thing just before we get down to your baker's dozen of budget ideas, what sort of uh, equipment in the kitchen that's changed over so over those that period of time, Alison, like, I mean, you've got basic pots, pans, fry pans, but now we're into microwaves and... Uh, Accelerary uh, sort of cooking devices like that, and uh, nothing you've mentioned about buying or having of a deep freeze. Well, so it has changed, but there's a bigger um, divide now between maybe city life and more rural life. And so, what you tend to find is people will have. I suppose we call them bench top cooking implements in order for their cooking needs. And so many people have got these air fryers today, which I believe are fantastic. 
I don't have one. But if you're in a house where there's two people and you don't want to put the oven on, they do have a place. We also have rice cookers. I can use a saucepan to cook my rice, but for a lot of families, they prefer to have a rice cooker. They're not particularly expensive anymore, and if it means you're going to cook, well, hey-ho, there's rice cookers. Also added to that, though, is understanding how how we use a kitchen has changed. So when we were doing food in a minute, the vast majority of the meals that New Zealanders ate would have been prepared in an oven. At the same time that we were doing that on television in Australia, because we had taken food in a minute to Australia, we knew that the vast majority of meals in the area that the TV program was going to, people cooked in a frying pan. A bit, they would say stir-fried, but it was quick cooking in a frying pan or in a wok. Now, we have caught up to that trend by some years now. And so how people cook has changed. And that ties in, of course, with what kind of foods you buy in your supermarket, how much the food is costing, how much time you have, and how many people are actually in your home? Because there are far more homes today with only one or two children in them. And so, therefore, they're cooking quicker meals as opposed to times when we might have had three or four kids and mum was home and we could have put something in the oven. So the whole thing has changed. Everything has changed. So when we look at those sort of things, I can recall one time going to uh, Farmers Co-op in New Plymouth they had a cooking demonstration there with a microwave and it was just interesting at the time because Sharon and I had four children and a friend that was there, she had six children and said to the cook or the demonstrator, how do you get on when you've got six children or more? Well, that blew her away and uh, let's face it, way back in those days, cooking uh, mutton in the microwave wasn't the best either. <laughs> Well, I can remember when microwaves came in, I was working for Tui Flower at the New Zealand Woman's Weekly Test Kitchen as a young home economist in her test kitchens. And I recall with great interest when the microwave came in, when we used to do all those cooking demonstrations. And the microwave has fitted into the kitchen as another implement. And it's really just the milk heater for your coffee, yeah. the defroster. And it does do some things really well. And for that, I'm grateful. For example, if you're a busy parent and you've got to try and cook frozen vegetables, which we know can be more nutritious, easier to prepare than fresh vegetables at time, the microwave doesn't require any extra water. Just throw the vegetables in and cook them and you will retain most of the nutrients. It does do things like if you've got a, a frozen meal in the, in the freezer or a cold meal in the fridge, you can reheat these things quickly in the microwave. So you can use it to your advantage. And then we all knocked it back in the whatever it was, the 70s when they came <laughs> in, but it has become another very useful implement in the kitchen. And so then you go today to the apartments in town in the big city centres and you will find that they only have a microwave and hobtops. They will not have an oven because so much of what people who are working in town who don't need to have all the luxuries of living in a home with gardens and all the rest of it, so they're just double income maybe, maybe they're flatters, they will never cook in an oven. They will just reheat. I'm sorry there, Alison, I think we digressed and I digressed too much for you, but getting back to our 
dozen of budget ideas. Now, people must have a look and read things to be able to buy online. I think that that would be a crux problem nowadays. I just don't know how what you've seen in your travels, but uh, do people study the price list before they go shopping or ordering their food? Excuse me, I think it's much easier to um, check the prices online than it is if you go shopping. And the reason I say that is because you can actually flip between the websites very easily between, say, Countdown and or Pack and Save and or New World. So it does give people who are going to have to run to a budget, if you're going to do the drop, the click and collect, you can actually um, shop to budget much better. Often when you're in a supermarket, you're busy. Um, the, seeing the prices can be difficult. If the place is busy, you're trying to work out this price on this brand versus the other price on the other brand. And so in that regard, shopping online can be advantageous today. Yes, and leave the children at home with dad so you can concentrate. Oh, you see, there's an, there's an example of change because <laughs> once upon a time, yes, when I started Food in a Minute, 92% of all shopping was done by females. Even if men shopped, women had written the shopping list. But today that doesn't exist. And it would be interesting to know, but I would think that that shopping in younger families is pretty much shared between mum and dad or the two people in the house today. That's very much changed. <laughs> what I just saw mother shopping yesterday, she had a big trolley, pretty near full, but the child was sound asleep, slumped over the handlebars, but never mind. Yes. It is, you know, look, I, I think it's really hard when we're older to actually get a handle on how busy younger people are. Um, and we might have said, look, stay home and go shopping at, at a later time. That's not always possible. And so I can clearly recall taking my children and shopping in a carry seat and praying that they'd go to sleep so I could actually get my shopping done in peace because I didn't have any other time. Yes, and avoid that count out with them at that age too because they want all those attractive things that bloggers have put on the shelves for the children while they're waiting. Well, of course, they're aimed at children's eyesight too. That's what they do to get you in. So. Right. So let's look at, look at uh, canned and frozen foods. I don't know whether we did that uh, in detail before, but uh, at the moment... We're experiencing a rise in food prices. Now, you've said, and it's been said by others as well, that your frozen vegetables are slightly on the cheaper side. They're available all the year, and they have the same nutrition as your fresh vegetables, don't they? Yes, they do. What, and what people often um, forget is the preservation that we have available to us, which is both canned and frozen foods. Those foods are packed at optimum ripeness and they are processed reasonably soon, pretty quickly, after they have been harvested. And so they retain their nutrition. When you can something, you lose vitamin C from heat, but very little else. So when we are at times like right now and it's winter and the price of food is spiteful, don't forget to look for frozen foods and canned foods because they will add colour and nutrition to your plate without cost. It just means you can't have your summer 
courgettes or your capsicums, which I said almost $5 each. We do have to shop to the seasons. But yes, frozen vegetables, while they are limited in the variety that we can actually choose from, are still a really good mainstay for most houses with families. Talking of this type of food, Alison, do people bottle their own or freeze it nowadays? Not as much, no. But part of that comes down to time and yeah. cost. And ideally, in a, in a perfect world, it would be, and I often say this is what it was like in France, people would grow and process foods and be able to sell those foods locally at a reasonable price that made the world go round. So somebody grew and processed, you went to work and your money easily afforded you to be able to buy food. So somebody had a job, you had a job, your skill wasn't in growing or processing, but it was somebody else's. Today that doesn't exist here at all because we, we just don't have the equipment the time and the cost. So freezing is easy. Um, and while a lot of people will go, oh, I bottle every year, it is not nowhere near as um, popular or affordable as it used to be. So, And that's really disappointing in many ways. It's a skill that we're losing. But if it means that you could buy Mr. Wattie's cheaper than you could do it yourself, well, then that's what we need to do, isn't it? You know, that's how the world goes round. But freezing leftovers, freezing things that are in bulk at the supermarket and on special, that's very advantageous. And I think a freezer is a modern woman's best friend in the kitchen today. Yeah. On your list there, Alison, you've got beetroot down. You've got it fresh at $4.50. Pre-cooked, it's $20 a kilo. And beetroot noodles shredded and vacuum packed, $12. So people have got to be able to work out those sort of prices, don't they? Yes, they this is one of the vegetables that really gets my goat. <laughs> I love beetroot. But honestly, when at these prices, I must say, are older. This was from some work I'd done earlier in the year. Oh, yeah. But how hard is it to put a beetroot in the oven or in a pot and boil it? So that's where you can save your money. As a, and the same goes with something like potato. Why buy a packet of chips when all you have to do is wash the potato, leave the skin on, cut it into wedges, a little smidgen of oil and into a hot oven, and the nutrition value is much better because it's without all the additives that often these potatoes are now coated in to give them the yum factor flavour. So being able to do some basic things in the kitchen is really important, and one of them is taking our vegetables cooking them simply to save yourself money. I don't know why we have to have beetroot noodles. They're fabulous in summer, <laughs> but I'm not sure I want a beetroot noodle salad in winter. But there certainly are people who follow different diets that want it. But if you're going to do that, you just need to know the price difference is horrendous. Being a farmer, we always had to interpret the uh, food value, whether it was uh, grass, whether it was silage, whether you Bought, brought, bought in additives like meal and the like. What about uh, the uh, growing your own emphasis and the nutrition there, Alison? Look, I'm, I'm going to be really honest here, and I say for all those people that tell young people to grow their own, I really think they should put a stop in it. 
Um, and I say that most genuinely, but man, I'm tired of that argument. If you've ever lived in a city and seen how much land people have, yeah. you would know that they're not able to do it. Not only are they not able to do it, they don't have the knowledge, they, the cost to make sure that the land is, is going to be able to grow food. When you see them do these subdivisions, they take all the topsoil off and leave all the shitty stuff underneath. <laughs> you've got to bring back in all the good soil to be able to grow things. Then you're going to go to walk, work. You may miss the watering. They might be tired. There might be pests, pests and diseases, and that's all a cost, right? Oh, yes. And so these, you, what you're doing is you're adding a layer of stress to people. You're making people feel guilty. You're telling people they haven't got the skills, but not in a really nice way. So what we really need to do is encourage people to buy locally grown produce by our farmers in season so that we are supporting our local growers. And that, I think, is a far better concept than telling people to grow your own because actually people don't have the time, the money, um, and and the energy often. If you're busy with children, where are you going to find time to tend your garden? Exactly. It's just not there. I just saw a thinking the other day, Alison, we heard a mutual radio announcer saying, my wife's got her vegetables growing in the bloody kitchen now, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> but I know what there was there. It was one of these uh, growing pods that he had. Okay, let's have a look at dairy foods and all those sort of things that we can uh, use, need in our diet, uh, Alison? Well, of course, dairy foods are essential. They bring us, more than anything, um, they bring us um, the ability to metabolise um, fat-soluble vitamins. So that's A, D and K from memory. Might be E, might be E, might be in there. D is when you're out in the sun, um, and so dairy is very important. It also brings in calcium to our diet. Now, calcium is an interesting product. When you're when you're growing young people and their bones are growing, the calcium that you get, and I think it's before the age of eighteen, but I am happy to be corrected on this. The calcium builds like the internal structure of your home. It puts up all the the nogs and the. the I'm not a builder here. I'm needing help. It's all the structure. After that age, calcium coats your bones and keeps them coated. If you do not build a strong structure in your bones as a child, you are more likely to have issues with osteoporosis in later life. So it is essential that our children get dairy foods. They certainly don't need high-fat dairy food, and they don't need dairy foods that are processed with a lot of sugar in them, like some of the yogurts. So, again... Think need and think frugality. So why buy a block of cheese and then a bag of grated cheese? Exactly. The price difference is significant. So buy the block of cheese and grate it yourself. Then freeze it. You can freeze grated cheese. It will be fine to be used in sauces or toppings or whatever. And then you can buy the blocks when they're on special. Um, and you can also freeze butter. You can freeze milk, but I'm not too sure many people do that today. But it is really important. If you buy processed cheddars, you are getting um, a whole lot of additives into it. They're those slicey things that, you know, we all used to think Mr. Tuesday or Tuesday, whatever it was years ago, was great. But honestly, a block of Edam, grated will bring great nutrition to your family if you use it sparingly. 
So, yes, price is important. Don't forget the dairy food. The other thing I was going to say about the dairy food, Dallas, and you and I grew up through the time when they said, no, you don't have butter, don't have butter, use margarine, use margarine. Actually, we've got one daughter that still can't eat butter. It brings her out on something of a rash, but that's a rarity. But I notice everybody goes back to butter. Yes, I, I've been around long enough to have seen that argument come in and that argument go out. The thing that worries me more about the margarine is that margarine used to have the same fat content as butter, and so you could substitute it for baking. But in the 80s and 90s, we all wanted to be slimmer and thinner, and so we got the margarine producers to create low-fat and spreadable. And the spreadable margarines have a higher percentage of water in them, so they're useless for baking with. Um, and so often, often you don't have the fat. You need the fat to mix with the carbohydrate, which is the sugar and the flour, and the protein from the egg to actually make a cake. And so if you're using products that have got a huge... You know, you're making something good with a lot of butter in it and you're using margarine, it's most likely that it will not have the outcome that you're hoping for. So that's the bit that gets me about margarine. Also, it's very hard to find a full-fat margarine anymore. Most of them are spreads. Um, and, yes, some people do prefer them. I can't stand the taste myself, but and I'm a butter girl. But maybe my hips tell us that as well. But the arguments about cholesterol have long been challenged. Uh, Alison, differentiate between a pantry and keeping your stuff in the fridge. Oh, well, what's interesting there, I think, is that we got, we got these things called health and safety rules, and we also got in, you know, use by date and, and all of those things. So what a lot of producers have done now is on the bottle, when you open something, it says refrigerate after opening. Now, a lot of things don't need to be refrigerated. Tomato sauce doesn't need to be refrigerated. It's full of preservatives. Um, jams don't need to be refrigerated. They are preserved by sugar. They don't need to be in the fridge. And so what we've got is an overloaded fridge, which doesn't actually keep foods cool because you've got too many small things at the top. So a pantry is where you can quickly go and grab one or two things and help yourself make a meal or be prepared for baking. And a pantry, if it's stocked with a packet of rice, packet of pasta, a couple of cans of tomatoes bought on special, um, maybe you've got some cans of soup, they're all good, some canned um, uh, fruits. And uh, just a nice selection of basics, you can make something out of that. Um, don't buy individual spices anymore, buy the spice blend so that you don't have to have a dozen spices for an Indian curry. You just buy the curry spices. So a well-stocked pantry will assist you. And you just need to keep a list in there of what you might might need so that you always have, if you're like me, my kids love dal. Um, and so I always have a dal mix that I get from the local grocers and I can just boil it up and they'll have it with rice. So there are modern ways as well of keeping that pantry. But the refrigerator is also kind of like just your chilled pantry. So in there you just need the basics, the the, the milk, the butter, the little margarine, um, your, your yogurt. There is no need to overload it. And more than anything, people need to remind themselves that actually the supermarkets are open all day long, seven days a week exactly. these days. And most people can get to a supermarket in a hurry. If you're in the country, of course, that's much a little bit harder. But for the vast majority of people, there is no need to have seven different types of mustard in your fridge because you can always just go to a supermarket. Like, it's not that difficult anymore. 
That's what Shona and I found when we moved and farmed at Eltham. We were only about five minutes away from town. We had friends that were always buying their food before they went home at night before tea. But talking of food, one thing we haven't covered that you could explain to everybody, eggs would probably be a meal, as you say, four minutes. Whether you boil it, cook it, make a scrambled eggs, <laughs> they're a useful and, food. An egg is an instant meal. It is an instant healthful meal. It's packed of proteins, got fat-soluble vitamins in it. It's just wonderful. And so often we look at the price of eggs and go, oh, that doesn't eggs. It's really expensive. What we don't see is the nutrition in one of those eggs and how filling it is if you turn it into an egg sandwich. And I say that in case, you know, you're somebody that buys your lunch and you go into a bar and you get yourself a focaccia sandwich and it's got, you know, a thin slice of salami and a lettuce leaf and a thin slice of tomato. <laughs> and for that privilege, you're going to pay somewhere around 7 or $8. But if you actually had a loaf of bread sliced, white even, in your house and you made an egg sandwich, you're probably going to give yourself a lunch for a dollar. And that's the difference here. And so we have to put these things into context. And I do honestly think people don't see the value in, in say, an egg because, oh, you've got to cook it. Well, it's just jolly easy. And, yes, it's scrambled eggs. Two eggs for breakfast in the morning will set you up for the rest of your day. I know that might sound expensive, but if it's going to be set up for the rest of your day, you can just get away with a piece of fruit and a something, a bottle of yogurt for lunch. Do you know what I mean? I'm not talking about somebody who's digging fences on a farm, but for the vast majority yes, of yes. people. So, so nutrition and value, we have to think about it a, a little better. We don't buy the up and go. Sorry, Mr. Sanitarium. You're just not going to buy an up and go and run out the door. The by sitting down and having something with protein in it, you will feel much more satiated than if you grab something in your car, like the coffee, on the go. Yeah. Eggs are my go-to product. On a Sunday night, it's always eggs. My kids love them scrambled. I just have to tell your listeners, the best scrambled eggs is two tablespoons of cream to the egg. Um, and then scramble that up, and you will never go back to making them any other way. And um, that's what I feed my family um, weekends. Um, and an egg is also something that can stretch. An egg, some self-raising flour, and a can of creamed corn, and you've got fritters. And that's a really nutritious start for the day mm -hmm. as well, especially on a weekend. Now, do you have any recommended reading reference material or who do you refer to a book when you were talking with Kerry Woodham the other morning? Oh, yes. I was talking about ultra-processed people. That's the name of the book. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. And it is a concern. And this is where I'm going to sound like some old food writer. But I look in my local newspaper here in the Waikato at Cambridge, and I see the recipes in the local rag. They come from um, one of the food bank companies. <laughs> and I have I have written to these people, and, and I have lovely conversations with them, but those recipes, they're just bloody expensive. There is no other way of saying it. The, the amount of ingredients you need tallies them up to being over $50. There is no consideration for Mrs. Average or Miss, Ms. Average and Mr. Average these days and how much money they have to spend on a meal. 
And so when you ask me who could I recommend that you look to, I'm not sure anymore. Nikki Weeks would be somebody who I think would be good. But actually, to cook the basics, you don't need a recipe book. You just need to grill a piece of something, sausages, bake a couple of um, chicken drumsticks, serve it with steamed or mashed or whatever, however you want to cook your vegetables. Add a little garlic when you're pan frying up, I don't know, the summer courgettes or the, the winter cauliflower or whatever. Get to know the beautiful flavors of simple foods. You don't need recipes to feed your family healthfully. You just need a few basic skills. And the more recipes that are full of all these ingredients, they cost more money, they add more calories, and they set up a thing inside of us that says, oh, we've set a, um, we've set a level, a standard now. We need to match it up. You cannot afford to eat like you're at a restaurant every night at home. That's what people want to do. The harsh reality is when times are tough like they are now, we need to appreciate the simple basic flavours of food grown and produced in our country with just a little extra flavouring, a little parsley maybe, a little, as I said, garlic, some grated ginger, a sprinkling of curry powder. Don't forget salt and pepper. Keep it simple so that your budget allows you to have a plentiful plate of healthful food. Well, thank you, Alison Gofton, for that very comprehensive insight into cooking and supermarket purchasing hints. Go well. We'll look forward to talking again with you. Thank you very much, and I wish all your listeners well. Well, that's all we have time for in today's roundup. See you next week. Kakiti Ano. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com.